This is the GGC Life Podcast. I'm uh, really pumped to share this word. I know you probably hear that every time someone preaches. But I actually am very excited about this word. And I feel like we've been touching on, you know, this, the idea of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven here on earth and how we can be a part of it, how we can advance it. And I feel like today's message, it's, it's really important for us to catch, to be ambassadors uh, of the King. Amen. So I'm excited to share it. Holy Spirit, we, I just thank you for your involvement um, in today. And I just pray that you would lead every moment of this message. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Um, last night. So yes, it is my birthday weekend. Thank you for singing, everybody. <laughs> um, and last night, I had a couple of friends kidnap me from my house. And they took me out somewhere. I was, so they blindfolded me. They handcuffed me, and they, they put noise-canceling headphones on me, and they made me listen to this heretical podcast about some false doctrine that I hate, that they're trying to force me to receive it. Anyway, anyway, and so, and they took me, they chucked me in the car, and they drove off, and I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty, like, nervous the whole time, because... You know, when it comes to like Vanessa maybe planning something for my birthday, she knows me. And these boys, they know me, they're my friends. But I'm just like, these guys, who knows what they're going to do? And anyway, they, they, we end up getting out of the car and they're taking me downstairs. They're taking me upstairs. We're crossing like, I'm hearing traffic and all this. It's, it's so scary. And then we eventually, they open up a door and I did hear one word. I heard the word ride, Okay. And I'm good with rides. I can do roller coasters. I can do all of that. But I just came back from uh, the Gold Coast with my family. We went on holidays. And just outside our hotel, there was one of those slingshot things. You know those weird that people get in them? There's videos online of people just passing out all the time. But you get in this ball, and they lock you up. They strap you up, and they literally just slingshot you into the air. And anyway, that was in the back of my mind. And I'm, I'm starting. So they, they stood me. But on this wall, and I felt something like behind me, like a foam or something. And, and they said, okay, we're just going to leave you here for a bit. And, and the whole time, we, I, I had just climbed upstairs and all this. And I'm thinking, I don't know what, the, Vanessa would never do something like that to me because she knows I would hate it. The whole time I was like, I'll never go on one of those slingshots, you know, the other week. And then I'm just thinking like, I hope they're not putting me on a slingshot. They left me there and I'm standing there. And I was so scared. The whole time, I'm like, these guys are going to really mess with me. Anyway, and then I end up getting led into another room, and they took everything off, the, the, you know, the headphones and the light blindfold. And then I was, obviously, and then, and then it was an escape room, which is really fun. Like, thank God it wasn't a, a slingshot experience. Um, but the reason I was so nervous is because, you know, like, we're in... When you, if you're married or you've got a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or you're still living at home, the people closest to you know you the most. You know, you can, you get to a point in married life, apparently, I mean, I see it in the movies where they're finishing each other's sentences. Is there any, like, older married couples that actually do that? Yeah? Or is it just a fantasy? You guys do it. Very good. Over there. Yeah, okay. So it happens. And the more you're together with people, there's, there's like a, you, there's like a synchronicity or... Like the two become one, I guess. The Bible puts it as the two become one. Uh, but these friends of mine, they're trying to... I'm just worried that they're going to stretch my boundaries. They're going to push me into places that I'm not comfortable. Um, 
But yeah, those, those old couples that can finish each other's sentences. Um, I, was just th- I was thinking about this when I, I'm like, I came home and I'm like, ah, Vanessa, she knows me. She would never put me in something like that. And maybe she would have told the boys to make sure not to do anything too crazy. Um, but I was, I was, as I was preparing over the week, um, this, me- this story from last night, what happened last night, I was just like, man, it's so important to know the king that we're representing if we're actually going to make him feel at home here on the earth. You know what we're doing as an apostolic people is we're preparing the earth for his return. That's what we're doing. When we talk about the advancing of the kingdom, we're actually preparing the earth for his return. We talk about the king and his kingdom, right? Um, Apostles are ambassadors of the one in whose name they are sent. So apostolic people, kingdom advances, they should look sound, feel, even like taste and smell like the one who sends them. You know, and you know, if, you're, if you've been married for long enough, I think you, you begin to like sound like your partner and you begin to kind of, you know, maybe you take on some of their mannerisms and you're starting to feel like it's like, oh, that, that reminds me of Vanessa or that reminds me of Leon. And we kind of take on some things. And anyway, I just, I just felt like there's an encouragement here in this word, to do what we can, to get in his presence, to to practice the discipline of being in his presence so we can truly, we behold him, so we can truly become him and make his kingdom uh, on earth as it is in heaven, advance his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And I had this, I had this prophetic picture. Um, If we can actually chuck the photo up, that'd be great. Uh, Start the timer now. Uh, some bonus time. Chuck the picture up. Okay, so if hopefully you can see it. I mean, I know my pulpit's in the way. Maybe you can zoom in on the camera a little bit to the middle of the photo. Uh, but this part portion of the photo is real. The rest is AI generated. I just needed to make it wide enough. <laughs> um, anyway, that is real. And how beautiful does that look right now on a super warm summer's day? It's not summer yet, but... Just jumping in one of those uh, pools, is it, to me, I'm like, yeah, I'd jump in that right now. Um, but I was thinking about, uh, I was actually shown a picture similar to this where I saw this, this stream of flowing, running water eroding uh, a waterway uh, along a rock, along a, a bed of rocks uh, uh, through a mountain. And I felt like the Lord was sharing to me this, this idea of allowing his presence and allowing who he is to wash over us continually and allow that continual process to erode away a path for his continual flow. And sometimes what I feel like, sometimes I think we're looking for the quick fix. Sometimes we're looking for a quick outpouring and we just want it. We want it done. Um, and I was, this scripture came to mind, Proverbs 20, verse 21. An inheritance gained too soon will not be a blessing in the end. It's actually the purpose and the process of God to, you know, it takes like many, many years for, for the pools to be formed, for the waterways to be formed. But once they're formed, these pools and these waterways, they become... Um, they become places of life for, you know, other creatures to come around, to drink, to, to, you know, rest in the water. And I felt like God encouraging us to take time. Everybody say take time. 
Take time in the presence of God. Don't try to accomplish in a short time what the Lord wants to process within you over a set time. Don't rush the refining. Don't rush the refining. Yeah. And I felt like maybe some of us were in a place where we would build up dams to hold back the rushing force of his will. Sometimes we're in a situation where you can just feel that the flow of the Lord and he's, he's trying to, he wants, he desires to lead you into something or to, to work something through you. But we've built up these dams, these dams of decision where we're, we're, we're stubborn about what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and we stop the flow of the Lord. Sometimes we build up dams because we don't like the reshaping. We're, we're losing who we once were. Uh, and, but we've got to remember, we're losing who we once were to become something far greater. That's the intent of our God. And, and He wants to create room in your life for others to enjoy the river of His goodness. Other times, the dams built up are moments that stop you in your tracks. So maybe it's like suffering, persecution, different challenges, doubts, just interruptions. They interrupt us. And sometimes these dams, by no fault of our own, you could say, are built up. And, you know, a tree's fallen over and it's clogged the, the flow of the, of the water, the rushing water, as, as the Lord pours out. And I just feel like this morning is an invitation to clear uh, the waterways and to make space for the Lord to uh, continue to flow through your life. Um, I've got a couple of scriptures I'd love to share with you. Enjoy the process, the ceaseless commitment to who He is. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 says, Rejoice always. Everybody say rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Everybody say pray. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And um, just keep your eyes on the prize, Romans 8.29. What's the prize? Remember the plan? For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. What's his purpose? Why, why, is he, why is he allowing his, you know, the rushing waters of who he is to come upon you and to flow through you? It's so you'd be conformed into the image of his son. So you could grow up into the fullness of who he is. And, and then I'm reminded here in John 7, verse 38, uh, the manifestation really of this life. And it says in verse 38, or verse 37, I'll read from, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and called out in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Once you've drank, you've drunk, 30, verse 38 says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. We're called to fill up, to drink, so we can pour out. We're called to behold Him, so we can be like Him. If you want to advance the kingdom, you can't, you can't uh, take a shortcut and try to manufacture this thing without having spent time with Him. It simply won't work, because He is the author of this faith. Consider this scripture before we move on. This, this, this rocks me. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, so the one who does the will of the Father will be the one that enters into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, well, what is the will of the Father? 
right? That's the question that would be on our minds as we're reading. And then it says in verse 22, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we cast, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. He's exposing a people that facilitated a, a pseudo expression or a, like a false uh, expression of the flow of God, the life of God apart from God. Again, it's similar to what happened in the Garden of Eden where Eve, Adam and Eve, they took from the fruit of the tree to be like God but apart from God. And so what then is his will? If his will is not to do these many mighty works, what must it be? This is what it is. It's to know him before making him known. We must know him if we are to make him known. We must behold him. We must first drink. Jesus says, come to me, those who are thirsty. Come and drink. And then, everybody say, and then? And then rivers of living water will flow. It's a fruit. It really is. It's a fruit and it's a manifestation of our communion with God. If you try to facilitate the flow or facilitate a fruit or, or to create space for a fruit, but the root is not the Lord, I'm telling you, it will be warped. And people will begin to taste it. Maybe not at first, but they will taste it. You will warp the way. You'll ruin the river. You'll fault the flow when he is no longer the source Apostolic people, kingdom advances, they should look, sound, feel, taste, smell like the king who sends them. You know, uh, Vanessa and I, we ordered KFC a little while ago. This is a couple of months ago, I, I promise. And, and it actually was a while. We've had KFC since now, but we ordered KFC, and this is, this is gross. I don't know how this happened. But we're eating KFC, and you know how like you, sometimes you're mindlessly eating, you're watching a TV show, you don't really even know what you're stuffing in your face. <laughs> anyway, Vanessa's eating, and she puts one chip to her mouth. She took a bite, but then she immediately gagged. I, I, I kid you not, I don't know how it works. And I mean, we could speculate here what, what's going on. The chip smelt like poo. Not even joking, actual poo. And so I w Vanessa's thinking like, is, did someone have a really bad day at work and do something like gross with this chip? We were unable to eat those beautiful, thick KFC chips for a very long time. But the Lord has healed us, thank, thank the Lord. <laughs> um, but here, look, the bad chip, the, the colonel would never have let that chip get near a loyal customer, ever. That's not the colonel's desire. Somewhere down the line, there was compromise. You know, maybe it was someone was having an off day, but somewhere down the line, there was compromise. And the question to us today is, will we choose compromise or communion? Will we choose compromise or communion? Will you build up dams or will you let the deluge do its work in the world? Allow him to flow through you. Prayer, let me say this, 
prayer is the communion between God and man. And prayer is what I kind of want to look at today. The communion between God and man. One of the things that the enemy has been warring against since the very beginning is the prayer life of mankind. How often are you praying? Are you praying more than the the Muslim people out there that pray every single day? You could say religiously. You think about the Garden of Eden. We see this picture of a snake getting between God and man and, and speaking, whispering things into man's ears. His agenda, occupy their time. Give them another source of information. And sometimes our time is occupied with everything else that the world has offered. And it's so strange. Like I think about the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. They were given a, a, a bounty of opportunity to receive. There was so many fruit, more, more fruit trees than you could ever. Uh, let, me, let me clarify though. It doesn't seem there were any vegetables. It was mostly fruit. No, I'm joking. You can eat fruits. Anyway, fruits. So there's lots of fruit trees. Lots of fruit trees, and they could eat of any of the trees in the garden except for this one tree. And so with this wide selection, they could have gone, like, and yet they chose the one thing that would hinder them from walking in what God had for them. And then we see this contrast later on in the story where Jesus comes along, and Jesus is in a desert where there is nothing to feed on, nothing to feast on. And he's offered the temptation. And when he had nothing, he still chose the way of the Lord. And that's, this is the, the, I feel like, okay, something I've written here is a prayerless people are a powerless people. Why? Because prayer is actually a manifestation of the torn veil. Jesus was so in the presence of Almighty God that he knew what he wanted. He had his eyes set on, on the prize. Jesus paid for us to have complete access also to the one who saved us and will continue to save us. It's like this sanctification thing that's going on. But for every moment you're occupied with something else and every moment that the prayer closet is vacant, remember 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. You're giving ground over. You're giving ground over that could have and should have been yours. Every time that prayer closet is vacant. You're giving ground over that could have and should have been yours. Pray without ceasing. All right. He prior, Jesus, he prioritized prayer and he chose communion when offered uh, the alternative. And now that same power lives in us. Okay, so we, I want to explore the, the, the outworking of people who prioritize prayer. So we're going to look at Acts 16. So if you've got your Bibles, let's open up to Acts 16, and we're going to be looking at Acts 16, verse 16 to 26, and it's the story of Paul and Silas. I'm loving this uh, passage of Scripture at the moment. I've just been on it for a couple of weeks now, and there's so much in it. Unfortunately, we're not going to, you know, we'll never be able to unpack the, the depth of what's there, but I encourage you, take time to read this, meditate on it, spend time in it. Again, make space, make time for that river to flow through you, Amen. And we're going to look at Acts 16, and I feel like there's, again, it's, it's centered around this idea of prayer. But I really believe there's some kingdom principles for kingdom advancement in here. And we're going to look at, you know, can something keep you from praying? Because um, 
We really don't want to be kept from praying because it's prayer that paves the pathway to freedom. Don't let the bumps in the road cause you to reroute, replan, but recalibrate and get back on track. Take time to consider, God, what are you saying? Pray, fix your eyes on him, and then he's going to lead us um, further um, on. So I'm going to open up Acts 16, verse 16. Let's read. Okay, I'm going to read the whole passage and then we'll go through. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul began so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Wow, power. And when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, fastened their feet in the stocks. And at about midnight, say midnight, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, some translations say singing hymns of praise, prayer and praise to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Imagine that. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Talk about a manifestation of heaven on earth. Talk about transcending the limits of, of, of physics and time and space and, and what we could, you know, consider possible to happen in our own strength. And so I want to I track back to verse 16. Verse 16, start, it opens up and it says, uh, uh, we were going to the place of prayer. And I just want to say, like, prayer was their pursuit, from the beginning, before they, they weren't looking to, to cause an uproar. They weren't looking to, um, you know, break, break every chain. They weren't looking to prove to the ones who looked, locked them up just how powerful their God was. Their, their prayer was their pursuit. Communion with God was their pursuit. Prayer was always the plan. And my encouragement to us this morning is we must keep our eyes on the prize. Remember the plan. Oh, how easily humans get distracted. You know, if you think you have attention deficit issues, again, I want to remind you of Adam and Eve. They're a picture. They're like an archetype of humanity where we have every opportunity to enjoy the garden and we go after the one thing that can take our distraction. But isn't that the human condition, right? You open up the fridge and, you know, you, you're talking about, well, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? You open up the fridge, there's chicken, there's, you know, maybe sweet potato. I don't know if you keep sweet potato in the fridge. You know, you can, you can you, there's a whole bunch of broccoli, there's, yeah, whatever. It's like all the good stuff. You can make a nice roast. And then we're like, should we, 
Let's get Uber Eats. <laughs> let's, let's get something else. Or maybe like, okay, let's, let's check what we can have for dessert. And you're looking in the fridge, there's fruits, there's yogurt. There's even a bit of granola in the pantry. And you're like, nah, I think I'm going to go head to Woolies, grab a Maxibon, call it a day. Enjoy a Maxibon. And we're so, and it's like, it's literally sometimes, I mean, this is, I'm just sharing my story. So maybe this isn't you. Maybe this is just me. But I will go to the effort to gratify my flesh, unfortunately, I will leave my home, I'll get changed, I'll be in my pajamas or whatever, get changed, get in the car, drive to Woolies, grab a packet of Maxi Bonds so I can enjoy the dessert that I want. Talk about like, you know, just how much, you know how, anyway, what am I trying to say here? Keep your eyes on the prize, communion with God, reconciliation with the one who holds things all together. Why, why is he our pursuit? Why is prayer our pursuit? Communion with him. Because we, or, we have faith and we know that in him all things hold together. My life on my own, it falls apart. My life, I cannot advance this heaven on earth reality. I cannot be an ambassador of the king if I don't look like him, smell like him, taste like him. God, it's, he's got to be all over me so others can catch him. Amen? Verse 18, we start to see this picture of... Um, opposition. And so Paul gets annoyed at this, uh, this, this young woman who's, who's speaking by the power of a, a spirit, an evil spirit, and then he casts it out. And then all of a sudden, these people, they're locking him up, they're whipping him, Paul and Silas are whipping them. And, and there's opposition. And I just want to say, you're going to face opposition. But please, take comfort in knowing that opposition is the reward of righteousness. We <clears throat> wrote something down here. He promised it would be good, not that it would be easy. He promised that it would be free, not that it would be cheap. He promised that there would be heaven on earth, not that the earth wouldn't resist. And God is calling us to consider it pure joy. James 1 verse 2 says, consider it pure joy. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. Rejoice, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. A robust faith. A strong faith. Can I I just say, we're not going to advance much of the kingdom with a weak faith a tired faith, a broken faith. We must have a persistent and persevering faith, a strong faith, faith, a robust faith. We can't let the bumps in the road cause us to reroute, replan. Instead, God is calling us to rejoice and recalibrate, remind ourselves of who He is, get back on track. When, you, when, when God has given you an opportunity to, uh, to, to advance the kingdom, I mean, I think about what the Lord is doing in Western Sydney, even this morning. I was, we were there the last couple of weeks. I'm telling you, we're worshiping God, people are walking past literally laughing in our face. Imagine, you know, get, you know I mean, you guys enjoy getting on your knees and, and you're lying around and dancing and all that. Imagine doing that as people are laughing at you. <laughs> it's great. You consider it pure joy. Why? Because it creates a robustness in your faith that no, can I tell you something? That as we advance the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the, in, the very nature of advancing means that you're taking ground that previously belonged to someone else. 
And so as we advance, you can expect resistance from the enemy. You can expect resistance from evil spirits because you're taking ground that previously belonged to them. You're taking ground that previously was not ours. And they're trying to, they're trying to hold you off and they're trying to keep you out. I'm telling you, opposition is the reward of righteousness. For the rebellious will resist the righteous. So do not relent. Do not retreat. Do not turn, turn around. Instead, rejoice. Reinforce. Remind yourself. Recalibrate and retake that which belongs to the Lord. When we were driving to Queensland early this year, some of you have heard this story. I'm going to share it again. The grossest moment, I think, that, that I've experienced. Why are all my stories gross? I don't know. But... <laughs> We were driving to Queensland, and, and the, all, everything was going wrong. Like, the front part of my car was falling off, and weird rattling sounds and everything. And, and then, like, uh, it was like out of a movie. Elias has, like, a, my little boy, a two, two, he was two years old. He has this big poop explosion, and the seat, on it, like an 8- to 12-hour drive, the seat is just covered in poo, and he's covered in poo. And we're at the point where we're considering, you know, do we cut our losses? Do we just leave him here on the side of the road and keep going? No, but definitely about the chair. We will, I, I'm ready to chuck it out. I wanted to, I was chuck, I'm ready to chuck out the toys. Vanessa's so upset because all the, his favorite toys are ruined and all that. But it's like moments like that, you're just like, man, like, I just want to go home, you know? You just want to turn around and you want to get back in that boat, you know, and you're sinking and you're, you're, you're living this life of faith and things are, it's, it's this resistance and it's rough. But God's saying, remind yourself of what he's called you to. Keep your eyes fixed on the prize. And remember that opposition is the reward of righteousness. If you are facing opposition today, if you're in a season of opposition, can I just tell you, it's the reward of righteousness. It's good news. And it's causing you to be robust in your faith. Amen. So expect resistance. In the world of kingdom advancing, every time you work to take ground, it means someone is losing it. Expect resistance and rejoice. Amen. Okay. The final little portion of scripture, and then there's a couple of thoughts that I want to kind of lean into after that. Verse 25 to 26, this is like a beautiful moment captured in scripture where at midnight, I mean, remember, it was the pursuit of Paul and Silas to pray. And, and then there's all this opposition, and then they get into the prison, and then they praise, and then they pray. And, and it's like they didn't allow the opposition to to knock them off course. They didn't reroute. They didn't turn around. They got to their place of prayer. It's midnight. I'm sure they'd be tired. Surely everybody else in the, in the prison cell is tired. But they begin, to pray. they begin to pray and they begin to praise. And, and what's really beautiful about this picture, I think, is that the prayer and the praise of Paul and Silas set free those in the prison that weren't praying and praising. The power in your prayer and in your praise, there is power to set other people free that aren't yet walking in the same liberty you are. 
it's not, the Lord is not just calling you to advance the kingdom for your sake. This isn't a self-centric kingdom. It's a king-centric kingdom. And in under the domain of the king, it is his desire that all would be saved, that all would be set free. It's for, for, it's for freedom. It's for freedom that the Son of Man died. And so, <sighs> resurrection power. Okay. So they were in prison. And, and, and I'm thinking about this picture of Jesus. Like, Jesus died. Can I just say that you can't get resurrection without death? You can't get breakthrough without an element of brokenness. And so sometimes we're led into these places where our faith is tested so that our faith can be manifested, so that we can actually exercise that resurrection power Christians are so famous for. Resurrection power is given the opportunity to manifest when an attempt has been made on your life. When territory is taken, you have the opportunity to take it back if you don't compromise. Galatians 6, 9. This is a, it's, it's an encouraging verse. It's a challenging verse. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if, it's a caveat, if we do not give up. If we do not relent, if we do not turn back, Jesus went through with the cross. Without death, there's no resurrection. Praise him. Pray. Remember him. When you're in prison, you got shackles and you got a moment there and you got this, these thoughts in your mind. They're floating. You're like, I'm not in the mood to praise. I'm not in the mood to pray. And, you know, if Paul and Silas held back that desire to commune with God in that moment, to enter into communion, they would have missed out on the outworking of his resurrection power that was able to loose every chain. Uh, someone was sharing with me this line that uh, someone was preaching on this scripture, and they said, um, don't, what did they say? Something that rhymes and sounds nice. Um, don't let uh, the chains break your praise. Let your praise break your chains. Can I get an Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. Um, God is good. God is calling many of us back into a strong prayer life. That's, I guess that's a big challenge. The, the, the point of this message is come back to the place of communion with God. I'm talking daily. I'm talking without ceasing. Uh, it will be the key to freedom for many around you. He's going to recalibrate you as an ambassador of heaven on earth. And through you, that those, those rivers will, will flow through you. Uh, we'll, he will see a shift in your family. You will see a shift in your family, in universities, in workplaces. Fruits of the Spirit and heaven on earth cultures established. Peace, true love, forgiveness, self-control, healing, redemption, justice for the hurting and broken. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with these, these two ideas. And I, and I really pray, this. I feel like this is like an impartation moment. So please catch this, all right? Uh, I want to talk about the power and purpose of prayer and then the pattern of practice. Okay, so power and purpose, what, what have we learned today? It's all about recalibration. Why do we have communion with God? It's to recalibrate. I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying and he says, Lord, if this is not your will, let the, I mean, if, if there is a way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done. I don't think he was doubting in this moment. I think he was showing us the opportunity. Obviously, Jesus wasn't doubting. 
he was he was he was he was uh, demonstrating what it looks like to recalibrate, to remain in the will of God. Remind me, O Lord, bless the, like we, when we bless, we remind our soul to bless the Lord. There's like a recalibrating and a reminding. This is the power and the purpose of prayer. Um, I think about in Acts when the church is getting persecuted, they're told to stop preaching, and then they get together, they pray, and they say, Lord, give us all the more boldness so we can continue preaching. They go to God, and when there's opposition, they recalibrate. And my question is, is it still your pursuit to spend time with the Lord? What we become, we behold. Yeah. Okay, what we become, we behold. And I I really think, yeah, no, we're going to move on. And then pattern and practice. So what's the pattern and practice? It, It really is, it's a daily thing. So this is the pattern. Uh, God has called us to pray at all times. Prayer in times of peril will help you recalibrate to the road. Uh, the f- the, and, and yeah, it'll help you recalibrate into all that God has set out before you. But it's not just for times of peril. We pray in and out of season. So 1 Thessalonians says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? This will ensure that you are always ready in every moment to advance the kingdom, to be an ambassador, smell like him, taste like him, be like him. Uh, I shared this illustration once about how dad, he just, even if his phone's at 100%, he just chucks his charger in. He's constantly charging his phone. And, you know, some of us in the room, you're the 1% bandits. Others in the room, you're probably 100% bandits. And, you know, you know, you know your friend that's always asking you for a charger, like dad, dad's just so funny. He'll charge at 95% and at 100% and he just keep it on charge. He just likes to be full, topped up all the time. I'm telling you. The pattern and practice of prayer, praying daily, this, we, we are called to live this way so we are topped up. So we are ready at every moment to give account for what we believe. Psalm 1 talks about the man who's, who's planted in streams of water, who meditates on his word day and night, and his leaf will not wither. What does your prayer life look like? It should look like daily, every moment, meditating on his word, enjoying him like Adam used to in the garden and as Jesus demonstrated in the Gospels. Why? As we close, to advance the kingdom, we must know the king. To know the king, we must spend time with him. To spend time with him, we must commit to a pattern of prayer. Can we all stand? My... My encouragement is this. You can't have just known the king if you're going to be his ambassador. You must know him. You know, have you ever been to a wedding where the MC just like mispronounces uh, the, the, the bride and groom's names? And, you know, there's, it just, it's always super awkward. It's like, okay, you obviously don't know. Sometimes the pastor does it. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Um, uh, again, coming back to like, you know, the boys that kidnapped me last night, <laughs> I was worried because I wasn't sure how well they knew me if they'd chucked me on a slingshot. But I know my wife, uh, like who do I want planning my birthday weekend? I want family and friends planning my birthday birthday. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Not a corporate party planner, right? Like you can get a corporate party. Sorry to any event planners in the room. I love event planners. I'm, I'm just saying, do you want, um, you know, one of your closest friends planning something for you or do you want to outsource it to some corporate, you know, beautiful woman of man or woman of God? Um, Vanessa knows me inside and out. And, and, 
And I just got to say, you can't have known the king if you're going to be his ambassador. You must know him. The number one kingdom principle for kingdom advancement, I believe, is know him so you can make him known. If we're to make him known, we must know him. And so, church, let's commit to it. Let's commit to communion. Let's not allow compromise to take over. Let's commit to communion with the Lord every day. It's a discipline. If someone told you it's not about striving, can I just tell you, striving is found all over the New Testament. It talks about striving to outwork this faith. And I'm telling you, not striving for salvation or good works, but I'm saying be disciplined. It takes discipline. It takes hard work. It takes intentionality to pray, to consider who He is and to consider what He's calling you to do. To in the face of opposition, continue to advance, to recalibrate, and advance. Amen. I'm going to pray for us and uh, let's allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that He will. God, we just invite you to seal this word in our heart and I pray that you open up the eyes of our heart. We thank you that you already have. We thank you that there is revelation um, being poured out on your people uh, today, God. And I just pray that the revelation would lead us deeper into all that you're calling us to be. And I pray that the resistances that we face, Lord, would be considered joy. That we would, we would remember that the reward of righteousness is opposition. And that's just what it is. But that we would be obedient to advance your kingdom as your people. And that we would do it accurately because we know you. We love you, Jesus. We ask that you'd continue to reveal yourself to us. We honor you. We magnify you. We love you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.